Welcome to Bar Fights with attorney and advocate Sarah Klein. Taking on issues that matter and advocating for legal, cultural, and political change everywhere in order to protect children and vulnerable adults. Joining the conversation are survivors, advocates, lawyers, media personalities, athletes, celebrities, authors, wellness aficionados, and many more. Because bringing real justice takes a team of experts who care. Now, leading the fight is your host, Sarah Klein. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Bar Fights. I am so pumped. I have the coolest guest for you guys today. I don't even know where to start. When I look at his bio, there's so many things jam-packed in here. I don't even know where to start. So Jeffrey Gurian is an author. Let's start there. An author of several books. His latest book called Facing Adversity, Stories of Courage and Inspiration. Um, And I can't wait to dive into that. But he's also... (laughs) a former dentist, a comedic writer, a comedian, somebody who's been sort of all over New York, Hollywood, the celebrity scene, and he's just the coolest person. So I am pumped to have him today on Bar Fights to learn a little bit more about his life. Jeffrey, welcome. Thank you so much, Sarah. I'm so happy to be on with you. You have such great energy. (laughs) Uh, I love it. You too. And you happen to be absolutely adorable to look at. So this is so fun for me. Um, So how do all these things fit together, right? We have the dentist comedy, these beautiful books you're writing, this inspirational material. Um, Walk us through kind of how you arrive here today on Bar Bites with me. It's a magical thing. And, you know, it's confusing even to me, but I must have been a really weird kid because when I was 12 years old, I already decided what I was going to do with my life. Most 12 year olds have no idea what they're going to do. I knew I wanted to be a doctor, but I was too sensitive. I was a very, very sensitive child and my sensitivity overwhelmed me. It took me many years to learn how to how to own my sensitivity more as a strength and as a weakness. I didn't know as a child, I'm an empath, which makes you very effective as a doctor, but very hard to live as a human being Mm. because you feel things very deeply. So I knew that I couldn't handle life and death situations. And I was having braces at the time. And I said, you know what, I'll be a dentist because then (laughs) I, I, you know, I could, I could make people beautiful and I could make them happy. And, and I was already writing comedy at that age. So My whole life was that split. And I remember lying in bed thinking, you know, I want to be a dentist, but I want to do comedy. But whoever heard of doing both, you know, and and, and so I created this thing that I guess never really happened before. And I, I, I pursued both fields. So while I was in practice, I was a cosmetic specialist and I was writing for big stars like Rodney Dangerfield and Joan Rivers and uh, Jerry Lewis, even I got to work with some of the greats from the golden age. And my nurse had strict instructions, never interrupt me when I'm with a patient, unless it's for show business. So, (laughs) so she'd come into the room and she'd be like, you know, Dr. Lewis is on the phone, Dr. Rivers is calling. The only one nobody believed was Dr. Dangerfield. Nobody ever believed (laughs) there could be a Dr. Dangerfield. And so uh, I did that for many, many years. And, uh, you know, I was the head writer for the Friars Roast for 12 years. 
and I got to work with major, major celebrities. Uh, I'm dating myself when I say this, but for any of your listeners who remember Milton Berle, Milton Berle, who is known as Mr. Television, was my sponsor in the Friars Club. Wow. I, I got to write jokes for Milton Berle, but I'm also... You know, I, I was on Comedy Central with Nick Kroll and John Mulaney, two of the hottest comics today yep. in the whole world. They had me open their Broadway show for them, the uh, the Oh Hello show. And I am, this is a very strange credit, but I ha- I'm the very first person to be pranked with Too Much Tuna. And if you haven't seen Too Much Tuna, you can look on my website at ComedyMattersTV.com. It's a sketch that we did on Comedy Central as part of Kroll's show when Nick Kroll and John Mulaney prank me with a tuna sandwich that's about a foot high. And they think it's very funny to give people <laughs> a, a huge tuna sandwich. And they brought that to Broadway. That was the essence of their Oh Hello show. And mine was the very first. It went viral. It's got well over a million views. And, and so I have this crazy life where, you know, now I'm very involved in comedy and alternative medicine mm-hmm. and working with stutterers. So every day is different for me. And now I wrote eight books. I never thought I'd have even one book, Sarah. I I just, and and it just like, sometimes the universe opens a path for you. Yeah. That you didn't even expect, you know? And so after I recovered from, you know, I was very lucky. I recovered from a hospitalization with COVID double pneumonia. Mm. Oh my gosh. Yeah, well- in March of 2020, as you could tell, I'm a trendsetter. So I went right out and got it. I don't want to wait. <laughs> <laughs> I got it right away, you know, and uh, man, it was bad. It was really bad. It was the earliest days when when New York City was the epicenter of the virus. Yeah. And I was sick for two weeks before I called an ambulance mm. because they were warning people to stay out of the emergency rooms and... Uh, you know, I had had a heart attack like six years ago, one of those, what they call a widow maker heart attack. It was mm-hmm. very serious. And you know what? I was back on stage performing five days later. And the, and, and, and the owner of the comedy club said to me, what are you crazy? You just had a heart attack. And I was like, yeah, but it's hard to get a spot here. I don't want to lose my spot. <laughs> <laughs> so they wheeled you out in <laughs> your stretcher. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, I was joking. This has to do with positive energy, which is a lot about what I write about. Mm-hmm. I was joking with the surgeon on the operating table. They found a blockage in my heart and they were unplugging it. And I wasn't fully asleep. I guess they put you in like a twilight sleep. And I felt what they were doing. So I said to the guy, I said, I feel you in my heart, not in a romantic way, but I feel you in my heart. <laughs> and the whole the whole team started laughing, you know, and, and you know, I'm. I'm watching on a TV screen as they're unplugging my heart and I'm actually joking with them. And he said to me, don't worry, I'll give you more anesthetic. And he came to my room later that day and he gave me a big hug. And he said to me, I want you to know you're a miracle. And I said, no, you're the guy who's the miracle. You're the guy who figured out how to save me, you know? So, so life is crazy. Sometimes it gives you unexpected obstacles to overcome. And I've always been fascinated by that. You know, I started in 1999, I started cutting out articles from newspapers and magazines about people who overcame unbelievable difficulties in their Mm -hmm. lives to achieve happy, meaningful lives. 
and I put them in a folder and I have a closet filled with folders of different articles that I've cut out on different subjects. But that one was, it just always stuck out to me and it just stayed there for, for 20 years because I'm so busy that I didn't have time to write about them. Well, during the, after I recovered, you know, it took me months to recover. So I was in the house for months and I said, what can I do to turn a negative into a positive? Yes. And I said, I'm going to write books that, 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 that are inspirational to people that give them back some hope because the last two years we've all been so stressed out that people need inspiration and hope. So the first book I wrote after recovering was called fight the fear, overcoming obstacles that stand in your way. And I felt it was necessary because we've been engulfed with fear. Mm -hmm. We've never had to deal with anything like this before. And I, for whatever reason, I've been dealing with fear all my life. I don't know what it was. I, I was never taught that the world was a safe place. Mm. In my own case, you know, I stuttered very badly from the time I was six or seven years old through my 20s, even into my 30s. After I was a doctor, I was still blocking on certain words. Mm-hmm. And, and as you can see, I no longer stutter. And I worked, mm-hmm. on myself, I worked on myself for many, many years to develop techniques uh, of, not, of, not, of not having to stutter, of not needing to stutter, I should say. And now as an avocation, I work with stutterers all over the world. Um, it's one of the interesting things that the pandemic did is I got used to working on Zoom and Skype. And I work with people in so many countries, people who stutter, and I teach them how not to stutter. Wow. It's an interesting thing. One day, I noticed that I didn't stutter when I was alone. I could go into a room by myself and I could speak perfectly. And I, w- I consider it grace, Sarah. I realized that you can't have a disability based on your location, right? If a man has a limp, he limps in every room of his house. He can't go into a room and close the door and walk perfectly. But if I could speak fine when I'm alone, then theoretically, it means there's nothing wrong with me. And I created it in my head. And any thought you create, you can also uncreate. It's not easy. It's a real, a, a difficult process, but I did it. And it just shows that you can control your mind, that your mind works for you. Very often we feel like our minds control us. Mm-hmm. You know, like you have no control. Like I have this thing for chocolate. I can, I can already be nauseous and watch myself reach for another piece of chocolate. And I'm like... And I'm like, how foolish, you know, I already feel sick and I'm watching myself take another piece of chocolate. Like I can't control it. And there are ways to control your mind. So when I went to college, see, I've learned that I always have to confront my uncomfortability. Yeah. When I, when I went to college, I made myself run for the president of the freshman class. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was really scary because I couldn't say Gurian. I couldn't say my name. Most stutterers have a real hard time saying their own name. Wow. And the reason I believe is because your name is your identity. Uh-huh. If you're not happy with who you are, you can't express that to other people. You can't tell people who you are. Something about yourself is not comfortable with who you are. Mm. And so I, but I told myself if I could win the election, I wouldn't stutter anymore. 
because I had a feeling it had something to do with how I felt about myself. And I won the election. I was the president of the freshman class of Hunter College, this huge school where like seven high schools came in. And I still stuttered. And it was one of the greatest lessons that I ever learned in my life because it taught me that outside validation doesn't work in life. It doesn't matter how many people tell you you're fantastic and wonderful and talented. It matters what you think of yourself. And that started my journey to work on myself to basically find out what thoughts I was holding that were not valid for me. You know, have you ever noticed that sometimes you'll have a thought like a year later, you'll be like, what made me think that? Yeah. I have no idea why I was thinking that my thought, like we're all holding thoughts that are not valid for us. Mm -hmm. See, I spent 20 years on the board of this very interesting uh, group called the Association for Spirituality and Psychotherapy. Okay. And they were all classically trained psychotherapists except for me. And I presented my work to them and they accepted me on the board. And I used to lecture at energy psychology conferences on how to change your thinking because I'm fascinated by that, that Mm -hmm. we're trapped by our thinking. And it's interesting because our thinking, like every time you're called upon to make a decision in your life, You use your thoughts to try to figure out what to do, right? But if some of your thoughts are faulty, then your decisions are not going to work out for you, which is why a lot of people have the same patterns over and over again in life, the same bad job over and over, the same bad relationship over and over. And it it always winds up the same way. And the only common denominator is that person. Yep. It's obvious. The story you're telling yourself over and over. Isn't okay. it, isn't it true? I, did I read this somewhere that like your brain is, is like plastic and it's, you mold it based on the same thoughts you're thinking over and over and that the, it can be literally like re rewired by replacing some of those thoughts. Right. Exactly. You can reprogram your mind. And yeah. one, one of the ways I do it is with affirmations. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because Positive affirmations are very important. You know, it's like brainwashing yourself. When they take, years ago, when they took prisoners of war, they would brainwash them. They would play like a recording over millions of times until you'd think you were going crazy. But on a very simple level, like when you were a teenager and you used to listen to the radio and you'd hear a song you liked and you'd play it a hundred times, the next thing you know, you knew all the words to the song. Yes. These days, you can't do that because the songs are unintelligible. (laughs) But there was a time, there was a time when you could do that, right? And so what, you know, through repetition, you can change your thoughts. Mm -hmm. And what I find fascinating is that your, your thoughts are not necessarily based on your experience. They're based on your interpretation of your experience. Mm -hmm. You can have two siblings growing up in the same household that are completely different people, completely different people. And if you ask them about their childhood, you'd think they had different parents because their experience sounds so different Yeah, because of the way they interpret what happens to them. Yeah. So all of us are holding thoughts that are not valid for us. And very often they're negative thoughts. And like if you were ever bullied as a kid, or every time, like every time someone says something to you that hurts your feelings or breaks a promise to you, 
or hurts you in some way, it stays lodged inside of you, in your heart chakra. And I call them heart wounds. Mm. And it's the reason that I wrote my first happiness book. I don't know if you saw this, a meditating dog on the cover. <laughs> it's so cute. You know how hard it is to get a dog to sit in lotus position? The oh my gosh, is that funny? Floating on an orange pillow. And it's called, it's called Healing Your Heart by Changing Your Mind. A spiritual, mm. a spiritual and humorous approach to achieving happiness. So it's so interesting. About two weeks ago, I got an email from, uh, from a doctor in Georgia who said to me that that particular book helped her recover from heart surgery. And she happened to be involved with a women's health network. And she wound up inviting me to speak about the book and about my techniques of thought control. And I, I realized that, you know, podcasts like yours are so important because you never know what you say that another person needs to hear. You know, it could be so simple for you, but it could change somebody else's life. Yes. You know, and it's amazing how the power of your words can carry. I mean, who would ever expect that someone in Georgia was recovering from heart surgery and that my book was helping them? Mm. She wrote me such a, an endearing letter. It was so nice. And I was so moved by it. So I did her show with her and it was really fantastic. And so I wound up with eight books, but these last three are about happiness. And that's my focus. I want to I wanna always put, try and put positive energy out to the universe. Yes. That's what the world needs right now. Yeah. We've, we, you know, we've always needed it, but now more than ever. Yeah, so true. I love this. And I love, you know, we talk about a lot of heavy stuff on this show, but I like to do it in the context of, so now what? Now, how can we take that and do better and live better and be kinder to ourselves and and to really sort of heal and come through adversity? Everything you're saying is 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 so applicable to this to this audience but also just in the context of what what the world is going through um what what did you see as some common themes so so this book facing adversity stories of courage and inspiration you guys you can get it on amazon it's it's a best amazon seller um and you're profiling all these different incredible stories of where people are coming through things that the average person would say is impossible, right? Mm -hmm. And I even get that about my own story sometimes. How are you still standing given all of that, right? And these people not only came through it, but they're coming through it in in such a beautiful, beautiful way. What what are the common themes for, for people going through adversity that come out the other side? You've touched on sort of the way we think, the way we program our brains, what we put out in the world. What What else? How do people come through this really shitty, shitty stuff. Well, you know what? It's such an interesting question. There's a choice that you that you face when you're faced with an obstacle. You have a choice. Am I going to let this overcome me? Am I going to be crushed by it? Which happens to a lot of people. You know, like I see stories about people that lost a hundred pounds and I'm like, I admire those people so much because they could have easily stayed the way they were. 
but they chose to work incredibly hard and they changed their whole lives after that. Losing 100 pounds is like another person. And yeah. the people in this book, I'll tell you a quick story. A little three-year-old boy is playing hide and seek and he hides behind a tractor and the engine is running and he puts his hands in and it cuts off his hands. And his father happens to be a surgeon, but not that kind of surgeon. They rush him to the hospital and it's a holiday and there's no transplant surgeons around. So the father has no choice but to assemble a team and do the surgery himself, even though he's never done it before. He attaches his son's hands and puts them in casts. When the casts come off in a couple of months, the transplants took, the hands are alive, but they're not functional. The grandfather happens to be a martial artist who trains that little boy every day while he's growing up. And today that little boy is a famous spinal surgeon. And and, and he runs the spinal surgery department at a hospital in Colorado. That story blows me away to think that his hand, I mean, I used to do surgery and I would do cosmetic surgery. And I know how hard it is. You have to have such a fine touch. To, to have lost your hands and then come back to be a spinal surgeon is the most unbelievable story. But there are stories like a man born with no arms and legs. And at 10 years old, he thought of committing suicide because the bullying was so bad. And he realized that he couldn't hurt his parents that way. Today, he's a worldwide known motivational speaker and he's married to a beautiful woman I've seen her. A beautiful woman was attracted to him and he has four children with her. Wow. Meanwhile, the singles bars are filled with tall, handsome guys with all their limbs who can't get a date. Right. And this man with no arms and legs has a beautiful wife and four children. So it just shows you that through some inner strength that sometimes people don't even know they have. You make the choice that I have to overcome this. there's a spiritual principle, you know, and when I talk about spirituality, I always like to to define it because a lot of people confuse it with religion. Mm -hmm. Religion can be wonderful for people, but it tends to divide us because it puts you in a category and other people are automatically outside that category. Spirituality, on the other hand, brings us all together because all it asks is that you believe in a power greater than yourself. Mm-hmm. If you think that it's up to you to control everything in your life, then you blame yourself when things don't go the way you'd like them to. And so many people are living in the past and thinking, I should have done this. I could have said that. Why didn't I do this? And then they're fearing the future and they're losing the now. They're not in the present. They're caught up in fear. And so we have to battle those things. We have to realize that Everything in life, it seems to happen for a reason. And those things are easy to say when your life feels like it's going perfectly. It's when it feels like nothing is going right in your life. That's when those principles are really important to remind yourself, which is what I had to do when I'm laying in the hospital with COVID. And, you know, there is a tendency to say, why me? Why is this happening to me? Right. But the spiritual answer is, why not me? Mm. whoever promised me that my life is supposed to be perfect so sometimes things happen to us that we consider to be horrible but it's so that we can survive them and then help other people 
and say, you know what, if I did this, I didn't do magic. When I work with stutterers, I say, look, I didn't do magic. If you follow what I did, then you should be able to get the same results as I did. But you have to do what I did. It's called modeling. You model yourself after someone else. Mm -hmm. So, you know, by overcoming very difficult things, you become an example to others. And this book, Facing Adversity, is filled with stories of hope and inspiration. Another story, a destitute man had six children, couldn't afford to buy them Christmas presents. And his wife said to him, as a present to the children, why don't you write a book for them? He writes a book and he sends it. 26 publishers turn it down. He winds up publishing it himself for $300. The book becomes a worldwide bestseller, sells 20 million copies. And today he's a multimillionaire as a result of that book that his wife asked him to write. And it was a story about God in, in his life. And so I love stories like that because you never know what's going to happen to you tomorrow. Today may seem dark and gloomy, but every single person in your life, besides your family, there was a day before you knew them. Like yesterday, I didn't know Sarah Klein. Yeah. <laughs> and today I do. And I'm so happy that I do. And I couldn't have guessed that yesterday. So you never know what's going to happen. And you just have to have faith. And faith is the opposite of fear. And when your faith is strong, there's no room for fear in your life. So mm. as I said, I challenge myself on a daily basis. So many things make me uncomfortable. So in 2019, I did the scariest thing I could think of. I went to Japan all alone. Ooh. I, I have fears of traveling and... And I thought to myself, you know, I wanted to go to Japan. For some reason, I'm fascinated by Asian culture. And I really wanted to go. And two years in a row, a friend who was supposed to go with me copped out at the last minute. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not depending on anybody anymore. I'm going to go by myself. I took Japanese level one three times. I joined the Japan Society. On the third time, I said, I don't care. I'm going. And I went for two weeks. And I was lost every day in Japan. But it didn't stop me. I took the subway. I used the Japanese that I knew. I went from Tokyo to Kyoto to Osaka. I performed in two comedy shows while I was there. Oh! I went to two spiritual meetings. I did everything I was supposed to do. And when people say, was it great? I said, you know what? It was amazing, but it was, it was the biggest challenge that I ever gave myself. <laughs> and I proved to myself that I could do it, you know? And because if other people can do stuff, I feel like I have to do it too. I have that. The airports are filled with millions of people that are traveling all over the place, right? So who am I to say that I'm nervous to travel? So if they can do it, I have to do it too. It happened, you know, and I had to use that thinking in order to start performing comedy. I was nervous to get on stage because I had already written for a lot of big stars and people were expecting a lot from me. Yeah. I was putting it off for years. And finally, I had to convince myself that if I think I'm funny, I got to go up on stage and find out for sure. <laughs> That's the best way to find out if you're funny, right? <laughs> Either they laugh or they don't laugh. Either, you're, you know, so I had, to, I had to confront that fear. I had to confront the fear of having 
a dental practice. And I had to confront the fear of lecturing to people and going on stage and presenting myself. And so I've been confronting fear all the time. And that's why I wrote that second book, Fight the Fear, Overcoming Obstacles That Stand in Your Way. Because again, as I said, if you, if you can overcome fear, then you become an inspiration to other people. Oh my gosh, I love that. Important. And you, you are a perfect example of that. I've read your history and I know that you overcame a lot and now you work very hard to help other people who are in the same position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and- just like you, just like you. And I love what struck me so much about what you just said, a lot did, but when you said, why not me, right? That's something I, I think I have fully embraced when people say, Oh, I'm so sorry for what you've been through or your life was so hard. It's like, well, everybody's life is going to, it's going to be hard at some point. Why not me? And, and I look at my life today and I look at where I've come and I'm so grateful for what happened to me. And, and so grateful that I'm able to kind of pay it forward and help other people now. And I would not be in this position had I not had to face what I had to face. And so it, I, I don't even see it as a bad thing anymore. I just see it as it's life. It's adversity. We're all going to have it. It's going to look a different way for, for most of us, but it's that choice. Like you talked about that choice to either take it and do something with it or curl up um, and, and experience life in a way that doesn't feel good. That is fearful. That is sad. That is all those things that we don't, we don't want. Um, so I, I am totally feeling what you're saying. I love it. And it applies so beautifully to, I think so, so many, I mean, it's just life. We're all going to have the shit, right? It's how we get up from the shit and the way we view the prism through which we view the shit that, (laughs) that, that either moves us forward or keeps us stuck or, or sometimes moves us backwards, which, um, which feels awful. So I'm loving this. And I'm so happy that, but what's interesting is that you can only see that in retrospect. You're right. While you're in the midst of it, you can't see any good. It's all horrible. And, you know, I use my divorce as an example. Uh, I just spent the holidays with my ex-wife and her husband and their new kids and my kids. I have a very big extended family because of these principles. And too many times I hear stories where people hate each other when they break up and especially if they have children. And if you love your children and my children mean the world to me, they couldn't be those particular children if it wasn't for her DNA. Mm-hmm. I had to meet her and be lucky enough to have children with her so that I got my children. And I try and tell that to people. So I don't go out with them on a regular basis, but we spend all holidays together in the wow. house, uh, in the house that used to be mine, Sarah, it was, a bit, <laughs> it was a beautiful house and I still get to visit it all the time. But when we split up, she adopted two children and she had a, another child of her own. And what I noticed, what I learned in retrospect, not at the time, but years later, I realized those two children needed to be adopted and that little girl needed to be born. And that couldn't have happened had I still been there. Yes. So because we both respected each other, I respect her as the mother of my children. We're able to get together all the time and celebrate 
and do really nice things together, celebrate happiness instead of having hatred between us. Yeah. I, I always try and tell that story because there's not enough of that in the world. And I don't say it to brag. It's not an easy thing to do, but it's an important thing to do. And are you familiar with the about fear statement? No. Teach us. If I can read this really quick, it's very. Yes, simple. teach us. Okay, I use this in all my work, and I'll tell you where it's from afterwards. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? Your playing small doesn't serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that others won't feel insecure around you. We were born to manifest the glory within us. It's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. You know, that gives me chills when I read it. I carry it with with me every day. And it's from Marianne Williamson. A Return to Love. I actually got to do a radio show with her once. She's so fantastic. But that statement about fear, it means that it's okay to be successful. It's okay to, to, to meet your goals, to achieve your goals. You don't have to hold yourself back to make other people feel better about themselves, which I believe is what I did with my stuttering. Mm-hmm. I was the kind of kid, I used to make believe I didn't know the answer in school. So the other kids wouldn't feel bad. If the teacher would call on me, she's like, Jeffrey, what's the answer to this? I'd say, I'm sorry, I don't know. Because I didn't want the other kids to think that I thought I was smart. Not that I was smart, that I even thought I was smart. That's it. I would rather sacrifice myself and hold myself back. And so I don't need to stutter anymore. As you can see, I was able to figure that out, that I could let that go and I'd still be okay. And many people engage in self-sabotage. They hold themselves back in one way or another. Just before something good is supposed to happen, they do something to mess it up, you know? Oh, I see that all the time. I see it a lot. On some level, they don't feel that they deserve happiness. And so when I work with people, I, I, I help them try and figure out what it is that's causing that block. Mm-hmm. And what I teach them is, It's never important to say this is exactly why I have this problem, but it is important to look at all the possibilities. And so we look back into people's lives from the time they're children, because that's usually when these negative thoughts start. It's very rare that you get a thought as an adult. It's usually the stuff you're thinking as a kid when you're growing up. Yeah, that mess or that messaging that we're getting from someone somewhere, somehow, it's better to play small, it's better to stay invisible, it's better to not be arrogant. And you know, who are you to to have this great thing and this great thing? And you got to be humble. That's another big one, too. Um, As long as you create the balance. Yes. In the business, it's all about ego. It's very weird. It's exactly, <laughs> it's exactly the opposite of everything that I've been talking to you about. So, you know, when you go in to buy a shirt, the guy just gives you the shirt. He doesn't give you a shirt and a picture of himself and say, you know, this is who I am and this is what I do. He just gives you the shirt. That's it. But 
in the entertainment business, you're always telling people who you are and what you do. And this is my resume. And this is who I know. And this is who I'm going to know. And, you know, and, and so if you don't create the balance, then you get something like Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. Oh. You know, that's what happens when your ego oh. is out of proportion, when there's no, when there's no balance. So it's very, it, it's, it's not easy, you know, because uh, we're always trying to do more and to let people know what we do. Yeah. But, but you have to realize that you're being guided, that there's, you know, when I talked about spirituality, to believe in a higher power, you could call it nature, the universe, or God, whatever is comfortable for you. Some people don't find it comfortable to say God, as long as you know it isn't you. Again, because when you think that you're running your own life, then you blame yourself when things don't go the way you want them to. And that causes emotional illness. Yeah. People yeah. who are depressed, they're depressed because things didn't work out the way they would like them to. Very yep. Yep. And isn't that why they say things like Alcoholics Anonymous and programs like that, that ask you to believe in something bigger than yourself are so staggeringly successful because, <laughs> because right. Yeah. You do have to, um, you know, accept that there is something bigger than ourselves. And, and you're completely speaking my language. This is, is truly the way I, I live my life and I feel you know, the, this deep sense of peace, um, mm -hmm. having come through adversity and, and joyous people will always say to me, why are you so happy? And it's almost like, well, well, because I know this secret of life, which isn't really a secret, which is, is all of the stuff you've been talking about today. And you're such an amazing example of, of living all of this and putting it into practice. Um, just really inspiring to meet you. Thank you so much. And I'm so glad that you mentioned those programs. I do a lot of work with people in 12-step programs. Mm -hmm. And they're very, very powerful programs. And it's people who are changing their lives in dramatic ways. And I'm always so impressed with that. You know, people whose lives were really shattered and who come back and create magical lives. And so I'm so glad that you mentioned that, Sarah. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful to talk to you. It's like a, a kindred spirit, you know. When, when kindred spirits meet, they recognize each other. And, uh, and that's what it feels like. It's so wonderful to be on your show with you. I feel exactly the same way. Um, you have to come back. You have to keep sharing your lessons, your wisdom, your adventures, your fun, <laughs> your, your like life with us here on this show. You are absolutely welcome back. I feel like... 45 minutes went by in a flash. We have so much more to talk about. So please, please, please keep coming back. Um, and we would love to go ahead. Mind if I just give my website for, I would love, I was just going to say, yeah, please give us all the places that my listeners can connect, uh, connect with you and learn more. Okay. Well, my main website could be confusing because there's a lot of comedy stuff on there. Comedy matters, tv.com. But if you look under the about column, you'll see spirituality and healing and headache therapy and stuttering. And I have a special website just for stuttering. If, if anybody out there knows somebody who stutters, uh, because it affects millions of people in this country alone, please have them read the website. And if it makes sense to them, my email is there for them to contact me. It's called 
StopStutteringNowGurian.com, G-U-R-I-A-N, as in Nancy, StopStutteringNowGurian.com. Uh, on Instagram, I'm at Jeffrey Gurian, and it's J-E-F-F-R-E-Y. So many people misspell that these days. I don't know why. <laughs> When they start, when they started inventing names and how to spell them, my, my daughter's named Catherine and I can't tell, it's a pretty simple name. I can't tell you how often it gets misspelled. I have a Catherine too, K-A-T-H-R-Y-N. That's how we chose to spell it. Okay. For many years, Jeffrey was J-E-F-F-R-E-Y. All of a sudden people are coming up with weird spellings. Yeah. Spell it wrong. You don't get the email. That's why I specify that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Those are my main sites, ComedyMattersTV.com and StopStutteringNowGurian.com. On Facebook, I'm, I'm everywhere at Jeffrey Gurian. And I appreciate so much being on with you, Sarah. I, and I'll come back anytime you want. I cannot wait. I look forward to that. We're going to link to all of your stuff so our listeners can find you. And Jeffrey Gurian, thank you so much for joining us on Bar Fights. You're so welcome. Have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Bar Fights with attorney Sarah Klein, taking on issues that matter. Please check out our website at barfightspodcast.com, Instagram at barfightspodcast, or Twitter at barfights underscore pod for the latest show updates and archives.